the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, this is Chuck Olmstead, and you are listening to Heart of the City, a special broadcast on KGNW. And uh, we appreciate those that are listening uh, to to this program, I've received phone calls from people who've uh, loved listening to the testimonies of pastors and ministry leaders from around the area. And uh, today I have someone uh, with me that uh, walked in the studio, and this is the first time we've met and introduced ourselves to each other. And so I'm going to find out a lot about uh, Major Ray Yant, who's the uh, administrator of Adult Rehab Center with the Salvation Army, which is actually about a block away from our studios here in downtown Seattle. So, uh, Major Yant, uh, welcome to Heart of the City and KGNW. Uh, Chuck, thanks a lot for having me on the show, and it uh, uh, gives me the opportunity to let people know about Salvation Army and about uh, what we're all doing. Well, we, we do want to get to know you and about what you're doing. In fact, uh, you and I just... Uh, in introducing ourselves, found out that you've been here for a whole week in Seattle. So what what is the, what are your first impressions of Seattle? Beautiful. <laughs> and I can honestly say the only thing I don't like is the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but besides that, just a beautiful city. Everybody's uh, welcomed me with open arms. Uh, I live in uh, uh, Shoreline and uh, uh, it, just a wonderful community, uh, just beautiful. Um, I, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, well, we're we're glad that you're discovering our city and uh, taking this position and responsibility with um, with uh, Salvation Army and the what you, what you call the Ark or the uh, Adult Rehab Center, which is located, like I say, right across from CenturyLink Field down here uh, in Seattle. Uh, before we get into your story, I'd love to you to share just a little bit about what the ARC is and and what happens there. Well, the Salvation Army Adult Rehabilitation Center, ARC, is a drug treatment center. It's uh, uh, a program for those that have addiction. We have 110 beds. Uh, about 99 of them are for uh, men, and uh, about 11 of them are for women. And we have individuals come to us that have hit rock bottom. Uh, they don't know where to turn. Uh, they have uh, issues with substance abuse, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, and it's destroyed their lives. And to see these men and women come to us broken, uh, come to us, we get them in this program, they work on the program, and it changes their lives. Uh, and uh, it's just fantastic. Last night we graduated two individuals uh, back into society. Uh, mm. you know, instead of them being part of the problem now there's there's the solution they're able to pay taxes and so forth and so it's just a great program uh and to see people's lives changed and we could not do that without community support and where's that support come from from the donations that we get that we sell in our thrift stores uh it's just a fantastic uh program and uh, we uh 
people at times ask me about the uh, the success of the program, and uh, uh, these are great numbers, but when you hear them, you kind of think, well, maybe they're not. But uh, of all the individuals that come through our program in a year, about 15% complete the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you think, well, that's not very much, uh, but uh, it's much higher than the national yes. uh, national rate. Uh, last year, though, we had 23% of the individuals came through our program, completed it. And then if you look a year later, those that completed the program, 24% of them, uh, 24% of them are still clean and, and sober. Uh, but then if the individuals that complete the six-month program, which is free to them, doesn't cost them a dime, if they stay in the program for phase two and stay, uh, phase three, work on their GED, uh, job placement, and so forth, uh, it's a much higher number, 72% uh, are still clean and sober. So we've got uh, a fantastic ministry uh, seeing people's lives changed. Uh, uh, it's just a wonderful ministry. You know, William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, uh, if he was here today, this would be where he would be at, mm-hmm. meeting the, the needs of the lost and of the social outcast. And uh, uh, we're just meeting those needs one day at a time, seeing people's lives change, seeing people come to the Lord. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, towards the end of the program, we're going to talk a little bit more about ARC and what's happening here in the Seattle area. Uh, we'd like to get to know a little bit more about you and uh, what the Lord's done in your life and, uh, and uh, how you uh, got to where you are now. Uh, so are you originally from this area? Did you grow up uh, in the mid- Northwest or where? No, I'm a, a California boy uh, for the most part, the uh, Sacramento area. Uh-huh. Uh, my parents divorced when I was quite young and uh, lived with my mom till I was about uh, 15. Then I decided to move with my dad to Tucson, Arizona. And that was the start of me attending the Salvation Army. In fact, I was out causing trouble with my stepbrother. And he says, this is where we go to church on Sunday. And I said, no, nah, Salvation Army is not a church. And I started laughing and making fun of it. But then I started to go and they had wonderful programs for kids. Hmm. And I was a troubled kid. And uh, uh, through the Salvation Army, I came to know the Lord, uh, Jesus Christ, totally changed my life. I tell everybody my testimony. I'd be in San Quentin or someplace right now if it wasn't for Jesus and changing my life. And that happened all through the programs that the Salvation Army offers. And then from there, I went to Azusa Pacific University, got my degree in business administration, Christian education. And I uh, majored in those two things because I knew I was going to be a Salvation Army officer, which is an ordained minister, a pastor. And uh, I... Uh, did the five-year plan, worked on two degrees. Uh, my first job with the Salvation Army after graduation was running a youth center in Great Falls, Montana. Wow. And A little uh, bit different than Sacramento. Yes, a little <laughs> bit different there. And I was up there for two years. And then from there, I went into the Salvation Army Seminary. We call it a training school in, uh, in Rancho Palos Verdes, uh, two-year program. And then from there, I was in Mont- uh, Idaho. And uh, uh, from Idaho, I went to uh, Portland, uh, uh, Moore Street and ran the youth center, uh, youth center there. Uh, mm-hmm. The big NBA players, Damon Stoudemire and so forth, uh, came through that program. And so I got to see those guys develop, come uh, uh, through college and so forth, and get to rub elbows with those guys. And from there, Chico, uh, California. I was there for 12 years running thrift stores and uh, the ministry of the Salvation Army. And then from there, Sacramento, being the county coordinator, running all the programs. Back home. Yeah. You were back, back home. home. It was really nice because my family, you know, from there. And mm-hmm. then I uh, did emergency disaster work for a year. And then they called me and said, guess what? We're moving you. 
And I said, where? Seattle. Well, praise God. You know, and uh, so here I am, uh, sleeves rolled up, uh, loving the Lord, ready to work and see people's uh, lives change one day at a time. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a, a special place in my heart for the Salvation Army. My father, uh, who was a, you know, a child of the Depression, um, was uh, his father passed away when he was uh, eight years old. And uh, back in the late 20s, early 30s, my father was pretty much homeless uh, around the 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 the, uh, the Midwest and near the the Chicago area, and ended up at a Salvation Army facility in Chicago, where he helped to deliver the um, uh, the magazine, The War Cry, which is still is uh, happens today, right? I mean, yes. that magazine is still printed. And so he spent uh, some of his early uh, or late teenage years uh, there in Chicago at, with the Salvation Army, and that was really his family uh, for several uh, several years as he was uh, a part of the Salvation Army. So um, then ended up, uh, you know, back in the Midwest and eventually met my mom, got married and all of that sort of thing. So uh, he would tell me stories about delivering the war cry during those times with the Salvation Army, and the Salvation Army was an uh, integral part of his spiritual walk in his life. Mm. I'm sure his story is like many others who, uh, folks, uh, as, you know, I was interested at your reaction when, when your stepbrother says, you know, this is a church, and so many people don't have that concept of the Salvation Army as a, as a church. They think of it as a relief organization somehow, or there's people standing out uh, ringing bells at Christmas yeah. time with a with a red kettle, but they don't really understand what the Salvation Army is really all about. Um, so you've been involved with not only the church side of it, but but the the other aspects of what the Salvation Army does. You know, what's interesting, a Salvation Army officer, ordained minister, uh, we're a jack of all trades. Uh, and uh, when I was in Chico, uh, I was the business administrator. I was a fundraiser. I was a PR guy. Uh, ran all the uh, uh, all the programs in the church and preached on Sundays. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, love doing what I do. But there's so much more that we do uh, than just uh, ringing the bell or giving somebody a voucher to go to the thrift store or food basket or helping them at Christmas time. You know, I tell people we've got programs from the cradle to the grave um, and uh, dealing with uh, individuals that uh, need that prenatal care, uh, ladies that are pregnant, uh, to when uh, we have uh, programs for children. We have the most wonderful camp program you could ever imagine. Uh, here in this area, we have, it's called Camp Arnold, and where we send kids from the inner city to, out to camp, and they get to enjoy the great outdoors and learn about Jesus as well. Uh, and uh, programs for teenagers, programs for adults, uh, and then, uh, you know, when people, uh, end of their life, you know, we deal with their will and their estate. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, programs for senior citizens as well. So a wide variety of programs that the Salvation Army does, from shelters to camps to programs for men and women and children. Uh, the sky's really the, uh, the limit for what we can do. And, of course, it all comes down to resources. But uh, if there's a need, we see whatever we can possibly do. And if we can meet that need, we roll up our sleeves and we jump right yeah. in and do it. Tell me, you've obviously had a lot of experience with a lot of different people. I'd love to hear a couple stories about people whose uh, lives have been touched, uh, maybe through um, uh, 
programs like the ARC. Do you have a couple of uh, folks in mind that uh, uh, you can you can look back at and say that was a, a striking story of God's faithfulness in their life? Uh, let, let me just share with you one story from uh, the center that just happened this uh, this past Wednesday. Uh, individuals come into the program and uh, uh, they stand up and they tell us a little bit about themselves on uh, in our chapel and the uh, and how they got there. And the one guy said that you know he's been an alcoholic for many many years, and he just woke up one day and he said, "I don't want my family to find me dead under a tree." And so here I am. And just to watch that guy now for the past week and see the smiles on his face. Chapel last night, he's clapping, he's singing. Uh, you know, we're, we know that we're making a difference uh, in, his, uh, in his life. Uh, I remember when I was in Chico, individual, going to visit him, going to his house, and there's cockroaches everywhere. Mm. You know, it's just filthy, just filthy. And uh, we, uh, family, as I'm talking with them, I said, man, you've got to clean this up. Because if you don't, your children are going to go through the same process, and they're not going to learn right from wrong. You know, long story short, you know, everything's going well with them now, just because they were somebody uh, paid attention to them, somebody showed an interest in them, and uh, to see that uh, uh, them being able to uh, provide for their family in a positive way at home by doing the right things is is good. I mean, there's just uh, just a lot of stories, and uh, I can't help but think of people that have worked for us uh, that ha- did not have a job, that we employed. Uh, there was one individual that was there on, um, instead of going to jail, doing their time there, and I said, let's hire this person. Hmm. Nobody's ever hired me before. Thank you for doing this job. Why would you hire me? I says because I saw that you had something in you, the work ethic I could see. And then instead of her stealing to provide for her family, she's working for the Salvation Army mm-hmm. to provide for her family. So, uh, and then I was told of a story of a gal here locally that uh, into prostitution comes to the Salvation Army, and uh, she was uh, at our program uh, last week, and a graduate. And they're praising God, giving her testimony, telling the ladies, guess what? If I could do this and my life can be changed, you can do that as well. Well, tell me, uh, you've mentioned the the word graduation. So obviously there must be uh, a sequence of events that take place in, uh, in a program in order to graduate. So when someone comes to the, to the Salvation Army and says, I need help, I need a place to stay, what do you do first? What 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 what's the intake process like? What do you do? They have to go through some sort of application process, or what happens yeah. for our program? They do now. If they want to get into the shelter that's uh, just around the corner here, no, that there's not a process there. Uh, if there's a bed available for them, but for us, uh, they they have to be an addict. Yeah, ours is not just three hots in a cot and out, and out you go. So there is a process. There's an interview process, whether it referred to us or whatever. So they sit down with our intake counselor. They talk about uh, talk to them, see if uh, uh, what their needs are, to see if we can meet those needs because we can't be everything to everybody. And there's some people we just can't let into the program because it's not safe for the house. Uh, but if uh, if uh, for the most part, though, if they have a, a, a drug addiction, we're going to let them in. 
Mm-hmm. And it's a six-month program. Six months. Six-month program. In the first 30 days, they've, you know, we lose a lot of people within the first 30 days because they're on restriction. There's no contact with the outside world. Uh, not because we don't want you to have contact with them, but you know what? You need to leave the old life and start the new life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of things that they have to do. And here's what we tell uh, people and what, what I tell them. You know what? You, uh, um, you're here. You've got to get up in the morning. And you've got to eat breakfast. Uh, you've got to go to work. Uh, you got to put in your eight hours, and then you come home, you eat dinner, and you got to provide for your family as well. well. A lot of people don't realize that because they, when they come to us, they've hit rock bottom. They don't know what it's like to get up in the morning and eat a good breakfast. They don't know what it's like to put eight hours uh, of work in. And so we have what we call work therapy, where the, uh, the things that we sell in the store – the uh, residents of the program, they basically process that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they take it off the truck, they clean it up, they fix it if they can, and uh, we put it in the store and we sell those things, and that supports our program. And and within that work therapy thing, it's just not them working. It's also working on the program because a lot of them don't know what it's like to take orders from the boss. And let's face it, sometimes bosses are mean. And so we say, you know, if you can do the things that we're asking you to do, you can handle any situation uh, uh, once you leave this program so it's a six month uh, six month program and and we teach them hey you got to make your bed you know you don't make your bed we write you up yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> we put you on restriction there's a lot of things and so as they go through the program then they can go off uh, off campus for for a while eventually get a weekend pass and so forth and gradually we move them back uh, into society and there's classes in the evening uh, that deal with aa na uh, anger management uh, we even have classes to bring your families in so because we don't want the families to enable them and uh, uh, and and that's a big part of the problem uh, when you have a uh, you want your kid to be fixed but then you want to enable them as well and so I'd like to share this with you if I, if I could because this sure. is what I told them because we have we run a pretty tough program and uh, my daughter 18 years old full blown meth addict she's 18 today um, and we put her in a program back in January and uh, got out of uh, she completed the program she comes to stay with me for a week. And this would have been about April. And I said to her, you can stay here as long as you don't use. First day, she's fine. I go to work the next day. I come back, and she's not home. Uh, She comes home about an hour later after I get there, and she's high as a kite. So I said, Megan, I love you to death, but you got five minutes to get out of my house. Mm -hmm. Why would you kick me out when I need you the most? I I love you so much. That's why I'm kicking you out. Mm -hmm. So you got five minutes. She said, I'm not going to go. I said, you're going out that door one way or another. Yeah, I'm going to throw you out, uh, uh, or you're going to walk out peacefully. But it's up to you. But so you're going out, and your stuff's going to be on the uh, on the on the doorstep there. And so she left. Um, and the great thing is, is she was up here in, in the Seattle area and just went back home to Chico. Uh, she was up here doing signatures and stuff. So I got to spend the day with her last week, which was which was really nice. And so I, I see her maturing somewhat. And so the reason I'm saying this is because I told the men in the program as well, the same thing I, I'm mentioning here with this story is, I says, I love my daughter, daughter to death, and I threw her out of this program because she, she wasn't doing the right thing. And what makes you think if I, I love my daughter so much I'd kick her out that I would not throw you out of this program? It's called tough love. If you can't do the things that we need you to do to succeed in life, don't waste my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus still loves you, and maybe the time's not right for you. And you can come back at another time because we want you to succeed, and this program is for you. But if you're going to play the games, 
you need to look someplace else for, for treatment. You know, I have to believe that there are people, I know, I don't have to believe, I know that there are people listening to this broadcast right now that have family members that are addicts. And they're dealing with the exact thing that you're talking about right now. And that's why I'm mentioning yeah, it. Exactly, because um, they are making a decision of how they're going to handle that loved one, and they can't, there's a re- for some reason they can't, if you will, pull the trigger and say, I'm no longer going to enable you. Uh, you have to leave our house. You have. To, I'm. I'm no longer going to p- provide for you financially. What What motivated you, or what was your thought process when you f- came to that point with Megan to say, no more? Well, first of all, I love my daughter to death, and it was the hardest decision I've ever had to make with my kids, knowing that she walks out that door and she could end up dead in the ditch someday. It just breaks my heart, you know. And I still I'm crushed over that. But I know that from experience through the Salvation Army and the programs that we run that you have to have the tough love. You, you just have to do it. And, and it hurts you, but you got to turn your back. I can't imagine God, how Jesus could hang on that cross screaming in terror and in pain, and God turned his back on his only son. And he did that for us. And he didn't have to. And he did it for us. Mm-hmm. And it's almost the same thing that we have to do with our kids and people that are, uh, that are addicts. We have to turn our back on him. I love you, and you can come back, but guess what? A, B, C, and D are going to be done first. And it's not A and then D. All these things are going to be done. Then you can come back. Uh, but we can enable. And when we enable by giving them a place to stay, giving them clothing, giving them food, it just doesn't work. So don't enable. If there's individuals that are listening to this program, if you have uh, – family members know of people that need help, get them to the Salvation Army because we got a program that changes lives. Amen. Well, that's a, that's a, a great endorsement by an experienced father who's, who's been on both sides of the situation of dealing with addicts and dealing with an own, your own family member. And I know for certain that, that there are people who are uh, looking to, to make that decision or trying to pray that through and uh, it happens not only in non-Christian families, it happens in Christian families all the time. In fact, sometimes I think Christian families, it's even worse because there's that sense of compassion and how can I, God's not giving up on my family member, how can I give up on my family member? I've got to show the love of Christ. But the reality is there has to be that boundary set that you say, no more, I will not allow this to happen. I'm not going to endorse yeah. this any longer. Yeah. And so it's a tough decision, and it takes prayer, and it takes, and how often it is divisive with families because one family member wants to do that, the spouse may not want to, yeah. and they're not willing. And so that whole enabling cycle goes through that. And that's one of the things that, that Salvation Army helps address with family members, I'm sure, when you have family counseling, is yes. to be able to work through some of those issues. Well, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes left, so I, I just... Uh, uh, want to uh, encourage people, if you're interested to find out more about what's happening in the Seattle area with the um, Adult Rehab Center, you can always go to SalvationArmy.org and uh, check out the Seattle uh, and get uh, contact information to reach out to you, uh, Major uh, uh, Yant, and and um, and also some of the other uh, counselors and, and intake people there and, and uh, to discuss if you've got a family member, member in need. Talk to me just a, a, just briefly about the thrift store. So 
So people see thrift stores, and there are different kinds of thrift stores that you see in the area besides Salvation Army. But the one thing that I appreciate about the Salvation Army thrift store is that those funds are going directly back to the community. It's not some sort of quasi nonprofit thing. It's going right back into helping people like you're, we're talking about today, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, we have two stores here uh, in the area, one right across the street from you almost, uh, and then one in uh, Shoreline. And those funds from those sales of those stores go to support this program first and foremost. Um, and unfortunately right now we only have two stores. We're going to be opening some uh, other ones in the future to generate to generate some more income so we can provide even a better service for the individuals. But, yeah, we need your donations. Uh, we'd encourage you to just drop them off at the store if at all possible. Uh, and uh, the men process those things, and we put them in the store. They're sold at a good price, and the proceeds from those sales go right back in to buy the food, pay for the counselors, and run the program uh, that's so desperately needed in this area. Well, and those stores are important, uh, and it does help fund the ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we wish uh, that didn't have to happen, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. And the, we need that those finances to be able to help with people. Well, Major Ray Yant, I appreciate you coming and uh, sharing with us today. Welcome to Seattle. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your admonishment. If, if you want to get more information about Salvation Army, again, you can go to Salvation Army. We'll see you again next week with Heart of the City. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.